Because here's the funny thing about the Edo Portal method is that it it teaches you how to learn quickly with your body. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Danny Cola. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Action Coffee. Check out Action Coffee on Instagram at drink underscore action. Check out the website, www.drinkaction.com. That's action with a K-A-K-T-I-O-N. Some of the best coffee beans from Antigua, Guatemala. This is the way I start my day with a nice French press. Oh, I love my coffee in the morning. I don't think there's a better way to start your day than to drink a cup of action coffee. Now you combine that with a little meditation and a little animal flow movement, damn. That's probably the best way to go about starting your day. Now go to www.drinkaction.com right now. Check out what they have to offer and use promo code Danny at checkout for 12% off your final order. My guest on the show today is Gina Florio. Gina is a weight loss coach, kettlebell specialist, and currently studying the movement culture of Ido Portal. In this episode, we talk about how Gina got her start in the fitness industry, kettlebell movements, unconventional training benefits on the central nervous system, and we also break down the Ido Portal movement ideology. Check out Gina on Instagram at gmflorio and see for yourself. This girl knows how to move with a kettlebell. It was a great conversation and I really love doing this podcast because we get so much information from other experienced individuals that we can instantaneously share. And that's why this medium is so fucking awesome. And I love doing it and I'm going to keep doing it. So without further ado, people, here's the podcast. And If you like what you hear, make sure to share this with somebody. And if you can rate and review the podcast that's how this is going to keep going so i appreciate everyone's love and support enjoy the show so going back to unconventional movements um how did you get into it how'd you get into the kettlebell because you know how to move with that kettlebell and it's very inspiring and when i watch people like you i get excited and i want to try to to do you know new movements and and just try to move my body in ways that I haven't before. So how did you get involved in this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, man, I love the kettlebell. It's definitely, it still is my favorite uh, fitness tool to use. I I started, you know, I, I started playing around with the kettlebell when I was in my CrossFit years. I had a big CrossFit phase. I mean, I was a CrossFit. Okay, CrossFit. that's cool. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for like almost two years. I was living in Australia at the time and um, – my boyfriend at the time was like, come to CrossFit. And I was like, no way. <laughs> Cause it was so intimidating. And I, even back then CrossFit wasn't, you know, as popular as it is now. Um, but I went and, you know, the two things I loved most about doing CrossFit was the Olympic weightlifting and the kettlebells. Yeah. So fast forward, like a couple of years later, I had, you know, a knee injury in CrossFit and I gave it up and it was just, my body wasn't feeling great. It felt a bit too aggressive on the body. You know, I felt like it wasn't that sustainable of a practice. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I moved to San Francisco in 2017, um, I started working as the fitness editor for a media site called pop sugar which is like such a girly name, but Hey, it's a website for women. So <laughs> <laughs> got to make it appealing. And then from there, I was writing a lot of content about, um, functional fitness and unconventional fitness. And of course I stumbled upon on it. 
And I mean, I feel like Onnit has opened so many people's worlds to oh yeah fitness, right? Oh yeah. And then I started following Primal Soldier, Eric, and all those guys, and of course Marcus Martinez. Um, yep. We call him the Kettlebell King. Well, and it's funny because he's actually working with Kettlebell Kings now. Yeah, he is. Uh, I'm in I'm in uh, conversation with him right now to get him set up for the podcast. He he changed the way I look at kettlebells for sure. Me too. He's you know he's definitely my I call him my kettlebell guru, and he's a good friend of mine too now. And we it's it's been really cool to see our relationship kind of grow as not only as a teacher student but also as friends. So I would watch sure. his videos all the time, and um, and then I got invited out by Onnit to to the kettlebell certification course with Marcus and Eric because. Um, you know, we were doing a little bit of exposure for them on the Pop Sugar website, and I was trying to tailor um, the content and the training that Onnit offers to millennial women, because you know, I mean, not that millennial women aren't interested in Onnit, but it's definitely not their target demographic. So I was thinking, I was like, how can we make this, you know, incredible brand that's really opening people's eyes to different ways to think about fitness and training and how can we make that appealing to young women so I was like you know I pitched it to the company I was working for I was like send me out there and let me write some content on it so they were like okay sure go for it and so when I went out there I went for the kettlebell certification course and it was so awesome and that whole weekend um, I thought I knew how to move a kettlebell like I thought I could clean and snatch but you know the way that Marcus teaches it's like it's all about the finesse and he's simultaneously he's all about the details, but at the same time, he's all about like the big picture, like what the kettlebell can offer you in the big, you know, in the long run. For sure. Yeah. I definitely got a lot of that out of that from the, uh, the kettlebell course when I did it. Also just like, I'm a visual learner too. And many people are, and wa- just watching him move, you know, I, I like try to ingrain that in my head and just try to mimic that exactly. <laughs> Dude, he's so smooth, right? He is very smooth. Yeah, for sure. So smooth. I mean, he throws around a heavy ass kettlebell like it's nothing. And he just, it's, it's, he's one of the smoothest movers that I know. Like I give him a lot of shit on his Instagram. I'm like, yeah, okay. You look like a dad, whatever dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. Like I actually messaged him. I responded to one of his stories like a week ago and I was like, listen up, dude. I was like, sincere moment of the day. You are one of my favorite movers. Like I could watch him move forever. He's just so smooth and so precise and he makes it look like an art. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, he's been at it a long time and the more you do it, the more your body starts to understand the movements and you can challenge yourself. The more you understand these movements and the more uh, confident you get with them. Um, You know, it's funny, you were talking about CrossFit and, you know, kettlebell unconventional training gets paired with uh, the parasympathetic nervous system and getting out of that stressed mode that CrossFit kind of provides and how over time, getting in that parasympathetic state can really increase a whole bunch of other levels, get you stronger. And then the whole, I guess the, the, the game is the, the longevity piece, right? Yeah. Trying to be optimized for as long as you can and live a fulfilled lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and I think that's why, and I, I wasn't able to articulate this when I left CrossFit, but that's why I left. It was just like, it was almost nothing but stress and not like, you know, there's good stress and there's bad stress, but it was like too much bad stress. I'm like, sure. Sure. I mean, I I guess the mentality of a CrossFit and I don't don't come from a a crazy CrossFit background, but you know, I've 
watched a ton of documentaries and I, I watched those guys are they look the the best I've ever seen any athlete look, you know. So from optic standpoint, when I was a younger guy, I was like, I want to do what they're doing, you know, and learn as much as I can from them. But the mentality is so you got to go, you got to go, you got to go fast, 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 heavy, strong, and you got to win. You know, it's really competitive. And with that mindset, over time comes breakdown to the body. It just comes hand in hand, you know, doing mindful movements and, and rest and recovery days or, you know, learning how to just kind of go through multi-planes of motion. Like I said, you, you, you activate that parasympathetic nervous system and you really start to understand what it's like to optimize long term. Yeah, for sure. And the rest and recovery piece was big for me because I'm like, I'm, I'm such a competitive person in general. And, um, and it, it was just hard for me not to go into that CrossFit gym every day. Sure. Right. But I will say this though, like I don't want to bash CrossFit there. I think it also really depends on who owns the box and who's training there. Like, sure, it, sure. It definitely provides a lot of value. I mean, you so much, you, so, you learn so much from competition like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, um, did you have another competitive background? Did you do any other sports before that? Um, not really. I mean, I played tennis in high school and I love okay. tennis. It's still one of my favorite sports, but yeah. it's funny because I, I never played contact sports seriously. Like I played soccer as a kid, but like in elementary school. Sure. But I recently, about a month or two ago, I started doing jujitsu. Oh, okay. Oh man. I mean like go is that, I'm sure like all I hear is wear and tear in the body with jujitsu. You know what? It's it's tough because when I first went in, it was the second week, I think. Um, I mean, I, I was going in and not really understanding that much about the sport. I, I went to a fundamentals class and, um, you know, they do the technique and then they're like, all right, let's roll. And so everybody was pairing up and there was this guy who it was his very, very first class, like very first class. And, you know, they always say it's much more dangerous to roll with, white belts and beginner sure. and it is to roll with you know a higher belt because a higher belt knows how to move and apply pressure and they can match the pressure that that you give them so this dude comes in hot and he grabs my gi pulls me as hard as he can i mean this dude's a bigger guy you know i'm five two i'm i mean i'll say i'm pretty strong for my size but when you're against a guy who's like 190 pounds and you know i'm like 130 135 that's not you know, that's not an even matchup. Right, right, right. He pulls me, shoves me, but as he pulls me, my toes get caught on the mat and then he shoves me as hard as he can and my my whole body weight goes onto my ankle and I sprain my ankle. Damn. And, you know, as somebody who didn't do contact sports seriously as a kid, then that happened. I walked out of that gym furious. I was like, this is bullshit. I was like, jujitsu is fucking bullshit. <laughs> but, um... You know, and then I was talking to a lot of people who train, who have trained jujitsu forever. I talked to my coach and they're like, you know, it's it's definitely part of the sport. Like injuries are part of the sport. But that being said, you just have to be really, really smart about who you roll with. Yeah. And so I'm at a point now where like I I don't roll with white belts often at all. Like what what are you right now? I mean, I'm a white belt, you know, I'm super new and I, I love to roll with like purple belts. I got to roll with a black belt the other day and it's a totally yeah, different- someone, someone that just can kind of guide you as you go through for sure. Yeah. And they're not, you know, they have nothing to prove. They don't, they don't need to kick your ass. Like 
they know they know how to move they know how to roll so it's not like they're they're out there trying to trying to kill you yeah, for sure. No. So that's interesting. You're getting your uh, – I'm sorry. I cut you off. What are you going to say? No, no, no. I was just going to say it's just like you know, moving mindfully. I think it's the same thing in, in jiu-jitsu. It's like you move mindfully by choosing the right partner who can also move, oh. you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm glad that there's a, there's a way you're getting your competitive animal out because that's important too. When you have those type of qualities, learning to kind of express that energy in a structured – way is super healthy so i'm glad that you found that outlet as opposed to you know wear and tear from crossfit and just kind of understanding where you are and then moving and for sure from that and going into the next stage now you do have a, a a profound yoga background as well right i do my my entry into into fitness and movement was yoga i went to teacher training in uh 2013 i just graduated graduate school uh, cool. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? How old am I now? Yeah. 29. 29. Okay, cool. So we're the same age. Awesome. Very okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, I've been waiting to turn 30 for so long, man. The 20s, my 20s sucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just turned I just turned 30 and I always said when I was in my 20s, like I'm really excited for the development and growth of my 30s. I was ready to like, I, I, I guess when I look at what time is like everyone can perceive it in a different way I, I was just more optimistic i guess about the next 10 years of my life as opposed to oh my god i'm turning 30 i'm getting old you know what i'm saying same i'm i've been looking forward to my 30s for a while i just think and i think this is pretty common for most people like your 20s it's just a very tumultuous trying time where you're figuring your life out you're really figuring out who you are and the universe just like throws stuff at you that you're just not ready for yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely agree with that. Um, now that being said, like, how do you, how do you go about every day practicing those types of things, getting in the right mindset, uh, you know, trying to live a passionate lifestyle? Like how, how do you, how do you practice every day? Is there like a routine you have? Do you wake up at the same time every day, going to bed at the same uh, time every night, uh, meditation, breathing work, anything like that? Yeah. Um, I'm, I do love a good routine. I will say though, ever since I quit that job as an editor at Pop Sugar last year, so I could um, go back to training full time and coaching full time. After that, it was really hard to get my routine back because when you don't have a nine to five, and when you we live the life as a coach and as a trainer, every day is different. Like so, some days I have to go to a training session at seven. Some days I don't have to go in until eleven. So I try to get up every day at 5.30 or 6. That's pretty okay. much my wake-up time. Um, and then the mornings the mornings usually look different every weekday because it depends on when I have to go in and train and um, or if I'm going to spend the morning to meditate, like make a tea and sit down and do some work. But um, every morning, one thing that I do, no matter what my schedule is, I make a huge glass of water with lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, and I chug it. Nice. That is like my morning ritual. Uh, okay. And nobody All right. take that away from me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, I I, uh, I will do that occasionally. I'm I'm I really look forward to the coffee in the morning. That's that's something that I fucking love waking up to. It's like, oh, my coffee's coming up. You know, whether it's four a.m., five a.m. But I get you. That apple cider vinegar is great. I love it. You know what's funny? I gave up coffee like two years ago. Really? I know. And I'm not saying coffee's bad. Like I know coffee works so well for a lot of people, but it, you know, the caffeine would just make me really jumpy and I would get like, 
I would get like cold sweats from coffee. You know? Yeah. And it was, like yeah, so man, much. it affects everybody. Expect, it affects everybody differently for sure. Totally. I mean, like I see my friends, they love to have a coffee or like a cold brew before they train. If I have a coffee before I do strength or something, I, I just like, my heart feels like it's going to beat out of my chest. So I'm not a coffee person, but I, I tell you, I do still love the smell. Oh yeah, for it. sure. It's like, you know, it's like the best thing to, to wake up to. For sure. Um, okay. So I, we definitely got like crazy sidetracked when you were talking about how you got into unconventional movement. So you were working, um, for that, the article, you got down to on it, you, uh, you know, working with Marcus and, and Primal. Um, and then how did, I mean, did you always have a strong inclination to teach exercise or? I think I did. I, when I was, when I went to my um, teacher training, uh, my yoga teacher training in 2013, I was actually teaching yoga full time after that for a couple of years. Cool. Um, and I, I traveled the world teaching. Really? What kind of places have, did you go to? So I spent most of my time in Australia and that was cool. a really those were very formative years of my life. It's funny. I went, uh, I planned to stay there for two months after my teacher training program. And I ended up staying for like three years. <laughs> yeah. I, Australia has a funny way of doing that to people I hear. Australia is so beautiful. And the people there, I mean, it is like what they say. They are so laid back. They're so chill. You know, it's like, no shirt, no shoes, no problem. Like everyone walks yeah. barefoot and the beaches there are absolutely stunning. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. That's amazing. So, I mean, I've never been to Australia, but it kind of sounds like that Europe laid back lifestyle. Is that the, kind of the vibe you got? It's kind of, but it's weird because it's like, it's very similar to America in a lot of ways. Like it's, it's like America, but a bit slower and more chill. And cool. It's funny. They're, they're like, I mean, where I was living, it was like very family oriented and like, it's, it was just really nice. It felt, it almost felt like old school America. Hmm. Interesting. And I just, I loved it. I fell in love. I mean, I also fell in love with an Australian guy too. So that. Nice. <laughs> well, they have that charm, you know? They do. And they have the accent. You can't say no to that accent. <laughs> so did you ever make it to uh, the, like the Asia or Asian area uh, or like Bali? I went to Thailand for a while. I wish I had made it to Bali. I can't believe I didn't because it's like every Australian goes to Bali at some point for vacation. Yeah, man. It's so awesome. I know. And I hear it's beautiful and super cheap, but no, I spent a bit of time in Thailand and Phuket and Kowlak. Cool. Actually, I went back to Thailand again to, to teach at a yoga, te yoga teacher training. So I was teaching yoga and then I went there to teach people to become teachers. So I was like oh, nice. teaching and coaching full time, but, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great money. So I had to supplement that as working remotely as an editor. So I was writing articles. I was freelancing. I would mostly write health and wellness and fitness content, but you know, I would do the occasional like lifestyle stuff. So when I got back to the States, oh, I also spent like a year in South America that was awesome. Oh, nice. What country? I was in Peru. I went to Bolivia and I went to Chile. Great. Awesome. I need to make my way down to South America. My mom was born in Venezuela. And I mean, not that we have a ton of ties down south there, but uh, it sounds like an awesome area to go and hang out. I mean, I'll tell you, it is so cheap. You cannot spend money there if you tried. <laughs> like, yeah, man. If it's anything like Bali, I remember my wife and I, we were you know, going out just getting pizza, a full dinner, two pizzas, bottle of wine, you know, whatever, 
it was like 10 bucks. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. The cab rides are very cheap. So getting around is, is, is inexpensive. And you know, the people you meet, the ambiance, you get to really live the culture. I think there's like this, there's this fear instilled in people in the United States. Like we can't go to this country. We can't go to that country. I mean, I feel like every place is going to have their dangerous parts, but people need to go and experience the world and different cultures because it's, you know, there's so much out there and you can get so much perspective. I agree so much. You know, when I when I went to yoga teacher training, I had just done a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. And I, I tell this to people now. Sometimes I feel like traveling for a couple of years, I feel like I learned more there than I did in school. And oh, 100%. Like the experiences that you get from being out in the real world and learning how learning how different cultures are, learning how to communicate with different people, like putting yourself out of your comfort zone and really exploring what's out there. I mean, I learned so much. Those were truly the most formative years of my life. I mean, yeah, man. when I left grad school, I, f- I was one person. And then after traveling and going through a lot, I mean, you know, I'm not going to say it was all roses, rainbows and roses. Like I had some really tough times. Sure. When I was in Australia, I had a near-death experience. I got burned by a fire and almost died. What? Yeah. So like my life during those years when I was traveling was – I learned a lot. And I mean I'm not saying that, you know, like n- never traveling, you're never going to have those formative experiences. But there was something about that time in my life that really changed me. Interesting, man. Yeah. Um. So after – traveling out there so what time of your 20s was that traveling experience would you say i think it was i was from 23 to 27 nice yeah those are really formative years for sure i you know in in my life now as i get older i really really am, am paying attention uh, it, it, trying obviously with, you know, try to do my best in a calm state to look at the positives and negative situations, you know, because I really feel like those start to form me and, and they give me experience and it, it's something to kind of force yourself to grow, you know? So even when times are tough, I always try to like find as much positive out of each situation, you know? And I love that because it's, it's really all about mindset and yeah, and that's it right there. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, and this is what I, what I work on with my clients now. So, you know, I, I, now I, I teach, I, I teach some group fitness, but my main thing is I, I have private clients. I do online training and I also do in-person training, but in addition to fitness and movement and nutrition training, what I also do is, I mean, just for a lack of better terms, we call it lifestyle coaching. Yeah. Because in graduate school, I studied, I studied counseling. I was a grief counselor. I worked in hospice homes with terminally ill patients and their families. So I, I had a skill set that was, that was very unique, but it, you don't normally see that skill set in combination with fitness. So one of the things that I do with my clients is mindset training, mm. which, you know, people don't really think about much when you think about fitness or weight loss or getting healthy, but I really, really think that it is the missing piece to dude. I love that you're talking about this right now. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't think enough people think about 
about that. Now, how do you structure your mindset training? So if you're going to go in, how many times a week do you set time aside? Like what type of exercises do you have clients do? So usually my clients and I, we, we do a 60 or 90 minute Skype call each week. Okay. So that's like our check-in and you know, it's different for every person. Um, I'll kind of start by asking them what's going on in their life. It's kind of like this. You know how like when a client comes to me and for, you know, fitness movement training, the very first thing I ask them is what hurts? Like tell me tell me what kind of pain you're in. Because mm-hmm. That's by far the very first thing we're going to address in their body. If there's any weak links, I need to know. And then we're going to start there and structure from there and see what we need your programming to be. So similar to that, a client comes to me for mindset, lifestyle coaching, I sit there and I ask them or, you know, it's on the phone and I say, what are the challenges that you're facing right now? Like what, what's going on? You know, and I guess you could say like, what are your weak links right now? And and we really start from there. And, you know, you'd be surprised a lot of people from totally different walks of life, middle-aged people, millennials, you know, I've worked with people who are in their fifties. You'd be surprised that so much overlaps. Like it usually comes down to feeling unfulfilled, whether it's in their career or their personal life or feeling lonely, like it's, it's almost like a phenomenon. It's really strange. It's like millennials now, like we've, we live in this culture where we're, I just wrote an Instagram post about this the other day. We live in a culture where we're encouraged to live very freely, like not tied down to anything or anyone and not being too committed to anything like optionality is Uh goal in many ways, whether it's like dating or whether it's, um, you know, not being tied down to one career. And I find, you know, speaking from my experience with my clients, that is the very thing that lends itself to like deep loneliness. And that lends itself to poor health and poor habits. So then your body's unhealthy. You're not eating well and you're not training well because you're sad as shit. You're lonely. Yeah, that's a really eye opening there. Yeah, and that's some of the stuff that I work with my clients. So we'll, you know, we'll start by the biggest challenges that they're facing, and some of the mindset coaching I do is like, let's start really simple. Like, what is your purpose and your vision for your life? You know, and this sounds, you know, a lot of people they hear this and they're like, that sounds so cheesy. That's so Tony Robbins, whatever. But you know, if you don't have a goal in your life, like if you don't have a goal when you go into the gym, how are you going to make any gains where you're just going to walk in and, and wander around aimlessly and look at a barbell, look at a kettlebell? Okay, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're not going to make any strides. So the same thing about your life. Like if you don't know what your purpose and your vision is, then how are you going to live happily and how are you going to live a healthy life? Yeah, man. Well, you know, like a lot of people are stuck between comfortability and not wanting to fail like i want to be comfortable but i don't want to fail you know so they're in that line and a lot of people and this is what i'm finding out from doing this podcast and reaching out to people who want to who want to grow you know there's a lot of people who are good being at the pace the place that they're at and that's it and the more people i talk to you like you who want to grow and find out more and learn and provide value that's a rarity. That's what I'm I'm starting to realize. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people want that. I want to settle. They stay in their their rut and they become lonely, unfulfilled, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we get stuck in that comfort zone and we don't want to grow, then it's like 
you know, it's it's kind of like this when you see in nature, when you see moving water, like flowing water is healthy, right? But when you see, and if you ever go on a hike, there's like stopped up water that's not moving. That's how mm. disease forms. Like that's yeah. how bacteria forms in, in nature, like the water that just sits there that's still. And it's the same thing in, in our life. You know, if we just sit in the same place and we're stagnant and we don't move forward, then it just the same cycle over and over and over again. And then it becomes almost like a disease in our mind. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we can learn so much about challenging yourself through exercise, through meditation, through breath work. I'm really glad to hear somebody else is uh, is practicing this kind of thing with clients because that's how we train the brain to have a like goal oriented mindset, a growth mindset to actually reflect. And I think that's what you're doing. You're having that conversation with your clients. You're sitting there, you're reflecting, you're talking about how you feel about shit. You're visualizing where you want to be. Like that is, is a, it's a real part of the equation. You know, if you want to start making changes, you know, and then that stuff just kind of builds momentum, I think. It does. And then it makes it so much easier to go in the gym and train hard because when you have a clear mind, Man, you can you move so much better. You know, everything comes from the nervous system. It's like I was listening to the um, Shrugged Collective episode with Julian Snow. If you listen to the episode, but you know, he's a movement specialist and he talks about how What's the name again? Um so yeah, Julian Pinot, he talks about um how when a when a client comes in, most trainers will just be like, All right, this is how you squat, knees out more, you know, toes facing this way, whatever. He says, he's like, But we're fools if we if we believe that the nervous system doesn't control everything. He's like, So if somebody comes in and their dog just died, he said, You better believe the way they squat today is gonna be different than the way they squatted yesterday. You know, so he really argues that we should be looking at movement from a more humanist perspective. Like thinking about how all of the pieces of our life and our, especially our personal life and how our mindset really affects the way that we move at the end of the day. It's so interesting. Yeah. And, and vice versa. The way we move has an effect on our mind and our mindset. Yeah. It's- you know, and, and this is something that I'm really trying to dig into, the neuromuscular system and how they intertwine and, you know, just working with with uh, unconventional tools like a kettlebell, like a steel mace, doing these body weight animal flows. And I definitely want to pick that, pick your brain about that idle flow that, that you wanted to talk about. No portal. Oh, that's, I can't wait to talk about that with you. Yeah. We're, we're, we're got, we got it in the box, but uh, like using these unconventional movements, they force that parasympathetic nervous system to come alive again. And it'll just like, kind of basically align you back up again, you know, and expose your weaknesses. For sure. Exactly. Yep. And it's, it's funny because like people will see a lot of the body weight flow stuff that is becoming more popular now. Like, I mean, animal flow was my introduction into this kind of movement. And then I, uh-huh. I progressed on to the Ido Portal method, but people will see it and they think it's one thing. Like they think that you're just doing this, you know, because it looks cool or whatever, but it's hard right. to really understand the benefits of it until you really start to study it. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm like in the baby stage of that, but I'm. That's uh, interesting that you say that. Yeah, and I mean, because I started. So you know, my page, my Instagram page is like it, it looks like all I do is kettlebells. I mean, I do love kettlebells, but 
Yeah, my friends give me a ton of shit. They're like, dude, is that all you do? I it's it's the funnest thing, dude. And so it's interesting and anybody can do it anywhere, you know? I love it. They're like, Oh, you don't lift weights anymore? I'm like, dude, I deadlift and squat all the time, but like it's not as fun to to yeah. put that on my page, you know what I mean? I think people they they look when you first look at my page, it's like, all right, she does kettlebells cool. But I have been like my main form of training now legit like many hours a day so devoted to this practice is the Edo portal method like okay so let's let's take it out of that box right now <laughs> and <laughs> explain to me um how for one how you got into it two uh what is it and what is its primary benefit or what are the various benefits oh man all right let's see where to start um it's 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 very hard to explain so all right Ido Portal is an Israeli guy. He's a genius. He's amazing. He has created this. Um, he's created a general movement practice. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Not skill based. Um, it is a practice that is is meant to truly take your body to its most optimal functioning level. So his, you know, it's called movement culture. It's kind of like what it's called. But his movement practice incorporates. So many different influences. So a lot of martial arts influences, a lot of capoeira influences. Um, so we'll do everything from gymnastic strength training to spinal work to locomotion, which is like the floor work that you'll see us do, to handstands. Um, to yeah, because you guys really gra gra graze the ground when you move in. Yeah. You know, like your foot is coming in a circular motion when your full body is like prone. It's... It's interesting. It's really interesting. And what we also do a lot of like cerebral training, we do a lot of coordination and agility work. Like I'm even doing rhythm training with my teacher right now. Like it's, it's a very, very general practice, but it's, it's so comprehensive. And so this is like yeah. the way that I, I, I like to explain the Edo Portal method. It's like, it's the absolute best foundation to any skill or any sport you want to do. Like seriously, I went into – because here's the funny thing about the Edo Portal Method is that it it teaches you how to learn quickly with your body, which mm. I know sounds weird, but it's a practice that teaches you how to pick up skills very quickly. That's interesting. That's something that a lot of people should should want anyways, right? We should want to learn how to do things and be open and become better. But if you can master a craft like Ida Portal and use those benefits in other areas of your life, that's that's right. That's right there, magic. And I saw it really show up when I started doing jujitsu. So I went mm. my first few jujitsu classes and like my my body awareness and spatial awareness and like understanding my own physical limits and what my body is capable of and the strength that I got from the Edo Portal method, like how strong I am now. I can't even, it's crazy how much stronger I am now than I ever was in the last few years. All of that combined, I started doing jujitsu. People were coming up to me. They were like, how long have you been training? I'm like a two weeks. They're like, you're moving. Like you've been here for six months and I pick up things really, really fast. And this, okay. not, and this is not like a testament to me. Like this is, by far a testament to my teacher, Johnny Sapinoso, who's been studying with Ido for like, gosh, eight, nine years now. Awesome. He's been now where, where do they train out of? Uh, so I'm in San Francisco and Johnny moved here last year to start a uh, San Francisco movement practice. So he has a, a group of students here that we train together. We have class 
six times a week. And, you know, we usually pretty much train together every day, even outside of class. Um, so, you know, Johnny, his classes are like usually two, three hours long. And he's been studying with Ido for a long time and he's a close student of Ido. So he's, I mean, this is not, this is not a biased opinion. He's truly like one of Ido's best teachers and definitely one of Ido's best movers. I mean, this guy, he's like, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. He's, he's genius. He's like a physically intelligent genius. Yeah, man. You come across those. You got to try to take in as much juice from them as possible. Exactly. Huh? I mean, I, I tell my friends, I'm like, I'm going to just follow that dude around until I turn into a mini Johnny. Cause he, like what he can do, he's definitely the physically the strongest person I know too. Like physically there's nobody stronger. So, you know, ever since I started training with him and I'm a close student of his, and I just soak up as much as I can. That is the very thing that has made me learn jujitsu quickly. Awesome. It's because I've worked so closely with a practice and with a teacher that is really the most effective thing I've ever seen. So we do no. tons of gymnastic strength training, which is like, I never done that before. So, I mean, I rarely ever touch a barbell now. The only time I touch a barbell is to deadlift and to squat. Okay. And then you, a lot of it is just, you know, suspension or body weight then. Yeah. So like right now, my biggest project is working towards a strict muscle up on the rings. So like my sessions, I do like bent arm strength sessions and I do straight arm strength sessions. My straight arm strength is like working towards front lever and planche. Yeah. And then, you know, I think about it this way. It's like, if you can do a muscle up, I'm talking about like a strict muscle up on the ring. Dude, that's hard as fuck. Holy. If you can do a strict muscle up, why the fuck would you need to try to bench press your body weight? Like that's easy at that point. Yeah, no, it's totally, totally right. I agree. And I don't know, like nothing wrong with these push pull movements. You know, I put them into my workouts for, you know, as well, but going and doing a strict muscle up or pulling up your body weight or dipping with extra weight or anything on suspension. That's what's up right there. And then it also gives you a much better range of motion too. Yeah. You got to get weight. Cause if you cut, like think about a muscle up when you pull up, and then you do that transition. Think about how deep that is. Like your arms are way past 90 degrees, bicep pinching the forearm. And then you got to push all the way up into straight arms from there. Like it's crazy. So right now my bent arm sessions are like, I'm still working on chest to bar chin-ups and Russian dips where like you dip down all the way in the box and then you rock back, touch a target with your elbows, then rock back forward and then push all the way up. They're fucking brutal. Wow. And how long are your uh, training sessions? Uh, are they the two to three hours every time? Yeah. So Mondays are Monday, Tuesday, Thursday are like two to two and a half hours. We have a, a Tuesday night session. I just went to last night. That was two hours. But Friday and Saturday nights, we train for like three and a half hours. And then I'm sure your time off is pretty huge too. So you got to be just training what three times, four times max, right? Yeah, I mean, my training schedule is pretty crazy these days. Um, I try, and especially because you're teaching too, so your body's going through that as well. Yeah, I've had to really change my diet lately. I was actually vegan until three months ago. Oh wow, man! I tell you what, choosing to I'm sure you just needed way more calories. I needed way more calories, and I needed some fucking meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, you, you might piss off some people, but not me. I get you. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry to all my vegan friends. And I was never vegan for health reasons. It was always ethical and environmental for me. Yeah. But okay. I, 
I mean, I, I got to the point where I was gaining weight. I was getting like fluffy, but I was not getting any stronger. And hmm. I like, I could not progress in my strength training. I was doing the same number of dips, the same numbers. Like I could not progress. And finally, one of my friends looked to me, he's like, dude, you got to eat meat. He was vegan for five years, this friend of mine. And then I think like two years ago, he chose to eat meat again. And he's the only person that I listen to because every, you know, vegans are stubborn as shit. Like we, we were, I was so stubborn as a vegan. There's something about veganism that makes you a stubborn person that it's, you know, you think you're a know-it-all and I, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. proud to admit that now, but like this friend of mine, he was the, if it weren't for him, I'd probably still be like trying to be vegan and trying to get gains. But he finally looked at me and he explained what why he went vegan. Like he had this wrist injury that just wouldn't go away. And at the time he was like looking at his teacher, his teacher was like, eat a steak. And he was like, nah, I'm good. And then he it kept coming back and coming back. And then he said, fuck it, I'm just gonna eat meat. So he I think he went like pretty carnivore and he said his wrist injury healed. And so I'm listening yeah, man. and I'm like, oh, I think I need that in my life. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, being on vegan, it's your, you're on the vegan team, right? And you, anything to defend your team, really. And I went through that too. Like I was on team keto for a long time and I was like, no carbs, no carbs, no carbs. And, you know, my body responded really nicely. And then I started, you know, carb cycling. And then, you know, now I like to experiment with other things. The, the, the truth is like every individual is going to respond differently to different things you know, and there's not one size fits all diet, you kind of got to just work around the things that work for you. And, you know, have carbohydrates when you have to have them and, and, and take it back when you have to take them down if that works for you or intertwine them regularly or fast, whatever, like, I know, you know, scientifically, things say what they say. But for other people, things might not work out the way the science says. Yeah, that's, that's so well said, because you know, two things that people always forget. One, almost like an uncomfortable piece of information that people forget is that our ancestry and our ethnicity often dictates what food we respond to well. Oh, yeah. I just heard Ben Greenfield talking about something like that the other day. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important. And there's like even, I mean, I think I was reading some research a couple of weeks ago that even said like African-Americans respond better to a vegetarian diet than Caucasian people do. You know, and so it's like, but the, it, these are almost politically incorrect things to talk about. And yeah. at the same time, we need to talk about them because if you come from a, you know, a line of ancestry that has eaten meat for a long time, and that's what your body needs. If you try to force veganism or vegetarianism on you, you're just not going to respond to it the same way. Yeah, for sure, man. And then the other piece that people often forget is that like your body will need different things at different times in your life. Like the older you get, you know, I keep reading that the older you get, especially for men, like the less testosterone you have. So like the less meat you need to eat. And yeah, very interesting. Like even with my dad, I see my dad now, my dad is like, you know, in his, God, how old is my dad? Early mid sixties, 63, I think he's super healthy. My, I mean, I feel so blessed. My parents are really healthy. They exercise every day and they that's awesome. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're a big part of why they do that because they see that you're passionate about it. And, you know, they're obviously receiving that value that you get to provide them. I see that with my parents as well. Yeah, it's really nice to see that. It's it's like it's kind of like one of the most rewarding things about living a healthy lifestyle is that the people you love most, they will be affected by it positively. 
Yeah, for sure. That's great. It's great to hear that. And so even my dad, like, you know, we didn't eat that much meat growing up, but my dad now, like he, it doesn't feel, he doesn't feel good when he eats a lot of red meat. So he doesn't eat it much. He says he just feels better as he gets older, like eating a bit more of, of a, of a vegetarian diet, like even a bit more pescatarian, but yeah. he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need as much red meat. And so I think that's another thing that we often forget is that like your age and your hormonal levels, like all of that will dictate what your body needs in your diet. There's so many factors. There's so many factors. And I think what people could be excited about going into the future is that there are ways to find the shit out now. Yep. You know, exactly. we understand that there are different ways that we can go about understanding how we're going to respond to things, yep. figure out what that is, and then behave in that manner. And individualize your routine. Listen, Gina, the problem is people don't want to do this shit. <laughs> they want someone to do it for them. No. And and unless you want to do it yourself or unless you unless you really want to do it, you're not gonna or whatever. You know, like you need to develop that mindset. You need to want to be uncomfortable and there are just so many people unwilling to do that kind of stuff. Like we're naturally into it, so we seek more information. We kind of use what we have to our you know, that's available to us and we use the shit out of it. Like I'm, I'm sure that you're learning as much as you can from your mentors and you know, the, the social media articles, I'm sure you're doing a bunch of research, reading and, and watching videos and like you retain that kind of stuff. And I think that you're unique in that respect. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so important to continuously keep learning, but it's also important to realize, you know, like you said, we're, we're the kind of people who are into this. Like, this is what we love. This is what we do. I was talking to somebody, I think like a friend of a friend, and they were saying that as a trainer, they get really frustrated when people ask like, quote, dumb questions. You know, they're like, oh, don't you already know how much protein you need? Don't you know the difference between strength training and conditioning? And I looked at them and I'm like, dude, people, like the average person, they don't know as much as we do. Like we need to answer those dumb questions. Yeah. We need to accept yeah. those questions with with open arms and be like ask anything because imagine, you know, we are in the minority. Like what we do and how much we know and we can't oh, yeah. forget that. We have to we have to really educate even at the base level. Yeah, for sure. It'd be as simple as possible and I, that's what I'm learning too is that there are people out there that are super smart but it's really difficult for them to articulate information in a way that's understandable and digestible for the average person. And then there are people that really take that complex information and explain it so simply mm -hmm. that it paints this picture that, you know, gets somebody to understand the real benefits and, or, or a bigger picture or whatever, you know? Um, so I'm definitely finding that out yesterday. I did a podcast with this guy and he was just really talking about that, you know, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system and, you know, how unconventional training really like wakes that up and being in a parasympathetic state. And I was just like, whoa, like, I feel like I should have known that. But the way he was talking about it, so broken down and so simple, I was just like, wow, that brings me to a whole nother level of understanding this shit. And, and another thing too, is we have to relay, I'm sorry, I'm, tan I'm going on a tangent. We have to relay this information in a friendly way. That's yeah. like, that, that people want more of, you know what I'm saying? I think that's what makes a good teacher too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is why I, and probably everybody else loves Joe Rogan because he brings on so many different people and so many different perspectives and, and it makes it enjoyable and makes it accessible.
Definitely. It's a fun, it's a fun experience listening to that show. I'm a huge fan. It's one of my biggest like inspirations to, to do my podcast. And what he does is just, he has conversations, open, honest, genuine conversations with people. And a lot of quality information is revealed. You just got to open your, open your ears and listen. You know, what I love about Joe Rogan is that he has so many differing opinions on his show. He's not at all dogmatic. Like there's nothing about his approach that's like, this is the right way, this is the right way. Like he'll have a vegan on the show and then he'll have a carnivore on the show. And he'll give both people the same exact space to talk about their values and their beliefs. And then he'll give them the same space to, to present their evidence, you know, and then he'll have people on there who are politically totally different. And his space, I think it was Jordan Peterson who said that we don't even really realize the cultural impact that Joe Rogan has on us right now. Like he's one of the only sources of information and of conversation that is truly open without any agenda. Like he will accept anybody on the show and open it up to anyone so that there's always something to learn. And he'll, he'll hear both sides. He'll hear people who totally disagree with each other. And he just opens the door to have that. And I think it was Jordan Peterson who said that he's like, he's a very, very important cultural figure right now for us. And I think that's so true. Oh, it's so true. And not a lot of people realize that they, you know what a lot of people look at, they look at how long his podcasts are, and then they automatically think in their head, no, it's too long. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to take a look at that. You know, I think it's such a, it's like a, a weak way to think about things or like a lower octave of thinking about things, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, I think podcasts and just the fact that they're as long as they can be, it's like, it's so cool to have unedited conversations posted somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And I was like having trouble understanding what the hell a podcast was when I first stumbled on Joe Rogan. And I, how long have you been listening to his podcast? Not long, like a year. A year. So I, I stumbled upon this like probably two and a half years ago and I've been hooked ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was having trouble understanding what the hell this was. I'm like, are these guys just talking to talk? Yeah. Like what's, what are they trying to promote here? What, like, what's the thing? What's the theme, you know? And obviously he's got his things that he's known for talking about, you know, jujitsu, psychedelics, keto diet, hunting, whatever. Yeah. Um, but like there was no agenda, like you said, and that's why it's so appealing. And it's such like a friendly listen, you know, it's a, it's a easy, entertaining listen. And it makes my commutes fucking amazing. And it's introduced me to so many different types of people. And those people introduced me to so many different types of people. It's, it's one learning entertainment cycle. It's great. You know, what? I love that a good friend of, of me and my husband, we, we actually look after their golden retriever whenever they're in town all the time. But this guy, Ben, a good friend of mine, we were out to dinner with them a couple weeks ago. And he said that he has been listening to Joe Rogan since day one. So like, wow, in around for the long haul. And he looked at us and he was like, I feel like in many ways, I, I like grew up with Joe Rogan, like, like the most formative years of my life, I learned a lot and grew as a man because of all the information I learned on Joe Rogan. And I was like, that is so fucking cool. Like, it is cool. And this guy is, he's very open-minded and he's willing to hear anything. And I really think it's because he's opened his mind up to somebody like Joe Rogan for such a long time that like the way that he processes information is it's so interesting and it's very open-minded. For sure. And, you know, we're, we're obviously 
on the Joe Rogan bandwagon and he's awesome, but he's definitely not a perfect guy. And he, it, what, what's, what's really cool about it is that he talks about his faults. He, he talks about when things are kind of effed up and when he needs to take a step back, you know, the whole Alex Jones situation, mm-hmm. like it, he makes that type of stuff cool in a time where everyone's pumping their ego and it's like, rah, rah, this, look at me, look at me, look at my cars, look at my whatever. Like, he makes it cool to be a real human. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of, they're just disconnected. They don't, they don't tap into their normal human. It's all like small self ego based shit that, you know, is not the healthiest way of living. And I think he makes those other things cool, you know? So true. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, you know, we're wrapping up on just about an hour here and, uh, I'm not at Joe Rogan level to have three, three hour podcasts yet, but <laughs> since, since I aspire to, to do something of that stature, um, you know, one day I'll get there, but you know, at this time it's their hour podcast where this has been awesome. And I really thank you for your time. Well, where, you. where can people find you and, and check out your, your articles and Instagram and, and YouTube and all that stuff? Yeah. So my main platform is Instagram. My handle is GM Florio, G M F L O R I O. Um, yeah, that's really, that's kind of like the main place I point people, but I also have a website that I'm still building up and it's live. It's gmflorio.com. Um, and you know, the, the main ways that I've, I've been really working with people is private clients and, you know, I'm, I've still got room for more clients. I'm more than happy to take on whether it's remote or in-person clients in the Bay area. And, um, you know, I've been booking some workshops too, over the next year, I've got some exciting stuff coming up. So Cool, man. I cool. Point people to my website if there's you know anything on there, any facility that people own where they want to host me for a workshop. More than happy to chat about that too. Awesome. Well, you know, I look up to you as inspiration, and I learn from your Instagram every single day. You make me want to be a better trainer, a better influencer, a better person, better human, and pr- keep providing value. So I thank you for all the stuff that you do, and and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to be, to come on my show. Oh, thank you, Danny. I really love your podcast, and keep having these conversations. It's so important, especially in today's time. It's really important to keep these dialogues open. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it means a lot. Well, have a good day. And uh, I really hope to connect in the future. I hope so too. Thanks, Danny. I'll talk to you later. And that was the podcast, everybody. Make sure to follow Gina's Instagram at GM Florio. And if you haven't already, follow my Instagram at Danny Cola Fitness. And uh, that's it. Thank you to Action Coffee. Make sure to check out the website at Drink action.com right now and you can look at it in the show notes it'll be in the show notes use promo code danny at checkout for 12 percent off your order of the best coffee from antigua guatemala that's action coffee now that being said take action go do something go exercise do some breathing set some goals write some things down Love all of you. Love, love, love. Peace.